Hello and welcome into Airing It Out, a Penn State football podcast brought to you by the Center Daily Times. I'm your host, John Sauber, and seated to my left is my co-host, Josh Moyer. Josh, how's it going? Hi, not too bad, John. How are you doing today? I'm doing all right. You know, we had a bit of a blowout on our hands Saturday, so not a not a ton to go over here. You you sort of saw what you'd expect from a you know an FBS team taking on a lower level FCS team that sort of struggled in its transition to that level last year, uh, and sort of jump right in there. Uh, Penn State obviously beating Idaho seventy nine to seven in uh, epic blowout fashion, I would say, in what was about a three yeah, I hour think game. Seventy nine to seven and and epic, you know, go hand in hand. You you really did not need to watch past the first quarter, but God bless you if you did. That, that counts us. You know, we were there for that. We we hung around for the press box and, of course, you know, got some wonderful stories up for everyone to read at uh, centerdaily.com. So be sure to check those out. I know Josh wrote about Sean Clifford and, you know, overcoming the nerves of that game. And I wrote about the running back uh, by committee approach the team's taken this year. So let's sort of let's start there. And uh, what, what did you think of Clifford's first career start for the Nittany Lions? Well, I know that you weren't a big fan, but I also know that you're wrong a lot of the time. <laughs> so. No, I mean, listen, uh, Sean Clifford acknowledged himself. I mean, after the game, uh, you know, he talked to us and he said that he was really nervous those first two drives. And, you know, I think that was pretty evident. You know, I mean, I, I think we saw the nerves get to him. He overthrew Pat Fryermuth. He just, the first two drives, he wasn't good. And I'm paraphrasing, or excuse me, I'm directly quoting Clifford when I say this, just so I have an excuse to curse on air. Clifford was, quote, pissed off you know, at himself. He knew he could do better. His teammates knew he could do better. But after those first two drives, he settled down. And, you know, I thought he did a good job. So you you tell me why I'm wrong. And, and then I, I, I want the final word because I'm used to getting the last word. Yeah, of course. I'll give you the final word there. But real quick, to be clear, I'm 12-1 and one in our predictions for games every week. Oh, congratulations. You, you picked Penn State to beat Idaho. And there were other games selected. And I, I am 12-1. and one. You, you picked all the favorites. Yeah, the favorites won. Oh, That's not boy. my fault. Oh. And and to be clear, move move on. Let's go. <laughs> so, anyways, with, with Clifford, it's it's a matter of yes, you're right. The nerves are absolutely there early on in the game. I'm sorry, what was that in the beginning? Yes, you're right. Can we just stop right there and kick it back to me? <laughs> you, you were right on this occasion, this one occasion early in the game about his performance. And but but what I what I was hoping to see throughout the game, and I know it's Idaho, and I know it's going to be easy for them. Uh, but there, there wasn't any sort of dynamic play that stood out. I, of course, the what uh, fake news, the 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 Trace McSorley esque throw, as you know, I'm sure, as we know that Clifford loved that quote. Uh, you know, into the back of the end zone to to KJ Hamler was there, but even then, that's a play that the, that separation isn't going to be there. He just wasn't he wasn't on point like I would like to see him be. He wasn't throwing guys into space. He was hitting open guys, and that's what you want to see against Idaho but he's not going to have that big of windows moving forward. And I would like to have seen him make a few more tight window throws, make a few more difficult plays. And, yes, he, he took care of what was in front of him, and, and that's absolutely what you want to see from a, uh, you know, a retro sophomore starting his first game. But I wanted to see flashes of something bigger, you know, flashes of a player that can take a team to a next level rather than make you know, just all the correct throws. Because I think that sort of upside, as I've talked about and we talked about in the last episode, that level of upside is in him. I don't know, you know, if we're going to see enough of it this year to matter. Next year, I think, like we both said, is sort of the, the tipping point for this team. But but right now, I, I wanted to see some of those flashes of just absolute excellence where he, he fit a ball through a tight window because, again, he's got the arm strength to do it. He's accurate enough to do it. And then there was just some inconsistency that I, that I didn't like. You know, the, that missed throw to Frymuth. And, yes, I understand the nerves, but Frymuth had nobody within 15 yards of him. I mean, there's – I understand blaming nerves there, but at the same time, you really don't have to do a lot to hit him on that play. You don't have to, you know, make, throw a perfect ball or even a good ball. A bad ball would get to him. He threw a ball that was impossible to catch. There was no way Fryermuth was coming down coming down with it. And, 
and at the end of the day, yes, the, the numbers say that he played well and, you know, he, he played well enough for, for a first game, but I would like to see something more from him, especially this week against Buffalo, see him make some of those tight window throws, see him make throws that you don't expect, uh, you know, a guy starting a second game to make. And I understand that's a high bar, but this is a team that I think probably has high expectations for itself, given the talent. And I think, you know, you want to see the quarterback sort of back those expectations. So all he, all he did was, was make the right throws, you know, kind of gloss over that. But I mean, have you ever watched Rutgers or Maryland in the Big Ten? I mean, that is a that, that, that's not a gimme here in, in this conference. But but no, no. I mean, let, let me just go back for a second. Uh, you said there were no highlight worthy throws, but you know, then you kind of used the McSorley esque pass on that. That's the one I was going to go back to because that's the one that impressed me. And it wasn't because the way the pass sailed through the air or the amazing spiral. It was the fact that he sensed pressure up the middle. He stepped up. He evaded a tackler, and he had an easy dump off to, uh, to who was it? Was it Journey Brown? Right in the flat there. Probably would have been a first down anyway, but he bought an extra half second and then launched the ball to Hamler, who he saw was, was going free. To me, that showed excellent decision-making, especially for a redshirt sophomore. It was not an easy pass to make. There was a lot of pressure, and he still stepped up and made it. And I think that, bode well, that bodes well for the future. I mean, even Sean Clifford will be the first to tell you it was not a perfect performance, but I feel like when you take away those first two drives, which, yeah, you can't do that every game. And I, it does make me wonder if, you know, being under the lights for the first time at Buffalo, if those nerves come back. But the important thing was that he was able to settle himself down. And I think that's the sign of a poised quarterback. So, you know, we're both seeing the same things. Uh, but, you know, we're kind of taking it different ways. So, I mean, obviously, one thing we can both agree on, Idaho is not going to be the be-all, end-all for Sean Clifford and his, you know, reputation this season. So, I mean, I thought it was, you know, it was a good start, and uh, Buffalo should not be too much of a challenge. So, you know, if he struggles against the Bulls for all four quarters, then I might come back to be like, okay, you, you might have had something here, John, but, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just have to see at this point. Yeah, and I think it's going to be really interesting to see if, you know, he flashes, like I said. And you mentioned that play, and that was an excellent play because he also could have taken off on that play and probably would have had a first down too. But he decided to, you know, make that throw and, and loft it over the over the middle of the field and get it to Hamler in the back of the end zone. And that's that's the right decision there. I would just like to see, you know, a little more of that when guys aren't wide open, you know, like not necessarily forcing throws, but having the confidence in your arm to make throws that maybe not all quarterbacks can make because he's got the arm strength to do it. Well, and I'll say this, you know, the media at Penn State, we're not able to watch a whole lot of practice, but in the practice that we have seen since the since the fall, I mean, it's not it's not unexpected to see. I almost call them Trace McSorley. Uh, <laughs> it's not unexpected to see Sean Clifford. I mean, you'll see him drop twenty five yard passes right into the breadbasket of his receivers. So you know, again, you know, nerves were at work a little bit. KJ Hamler said that he literally saw. Sean Clifford's hand shaking on the sideline, uh, which, you know, you, players don't confess to very often. Right. So, so I mean, hey, a, a lot was, was going on at work. Uh, you know, a lot was at work here. Uh, you know, I, I think the real test is going to be, you know, week three, week four, you know, once we see some, some tougher opponents. But this is a nice preseason warm-up here, if you will. Uh, you know, before we really see what Mc, or what Clifford is made, I'm going to I'm going to keep calling him McSorley by accident. Uh, you know, uh, McSorley ruined me. You know, having him as quarterback for three years, you just can't get out of the habit. Yep, exactly. But yeah, I think it's going to be interesting to see. They've got two nice games set up here early with Idaho and Buffalo. 
one early on in the day where the atmosphere might not be as great, and then one with Buffalo where, you know, like you mentioned, it's under the lights. It gives him a chance to adjust to that. Now, after two weeks, if he's still sort of feeling that that anxiousness, that nervousness, then I think, like you said, it could be a bit of a problem. You don't want him coming into pit and being nervous about the game. You don't want him going down to Maryland and being nervous about the game. So you sort of have to get those jitters out now and 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 basically make it so it isn't a thing the rest of the season, the rest of his career, uh, which, you know, like you said, it's understandable. It's, it's a kid's first career start. Obviously, he's going to be nervous, and I'm sure he will be against Buffalo. I mean, yeah, he's not Mark Zuckerberg. He's not a robot. Yep. You know, yep. he's, he's a person that gets <laughs> nervous. So, so yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I definitely – I think we're both in agreement. It's not time to hit the panic button. Yep. It's, it'll just be interesting to – something interesting to watch moving forward. And speaking moving forward, let's move forward and go to the running backs here. That Yeah, let's never talk about Idaho again if we can. <laughs> well, well, I'd like to touch on the running oh. backs just – just well, running backs bit. moving forward. Yeah. Well, the, the running backs and what we see and what, what we think this sort of committee can look like down the road, and I think is the most important thing here because, absolutely, like you said, Idaho is not going to tell you a whole lot, but it can get you little bits and pieces. Oh, maybe. yeah, that's I'm all about spinning it forward, John. Yep. Yep, you know, exactly. uh, Idaho helped us see how this running back room is going to be, you know, next week and the week after, and I'm fine with talking about that. I just, please, no more 79 to 7. <laughs> but, no, I, I, I think this is – this was kind of – a perfect blend of everything that we had talked about and heard about this offseason in, term in terms of the running back room. And when they said that all four guys were going to play, you know, Ricky Slade, Journey Brown, Devin Ford, Noah Kane, this is, this is ultimately what they envisioned. Everyone got between, what, four and eight carries. It was spread out. Everyone got a touchdown. Uh, you know, Devin Ford broke one. He was the hot hand. But yeah, I mean, you know, we saw a lot of talent there, and it only goes to show you, uh, J. Juan Sider, uh, Coach West Virginia, I think it was maybe 2016, 2017, and there he also had four running backs, including, you know, guys like Russell Shell, and they all saw, you know, at least 40 carries apiece between, you know, about 40, 140 carries apiece, you know, all four of those guys. So Sider's been here before. Um, talked to Journey Brown earlier today. You know, the, the running back room is definitely unique. Um, I, I mean, is there a running back room that's deeper in the country right now? Uh, maybe Bama, but that's just based on I mean, knowing how Bama recruits. And Bama's a good pick. It's hard to argue against Bama. <laughs> and, yeah, maybe LSU, you, you know, you look at those bigger SEC schools. But this, it, this room is at least as talented, you know, and especially someone like Journey Brown who wasn't highly talented coming out of high school and looking like he can have an impact. And, you know, when I spoke to him after the game, he mentioned about how every, everyone brings something different to the table, and that's the truth with this group. Uh, the, the one thing I thought was interesting was Ricky Slade was the one, you know, he's the, yeah. the quote-unquote starter. He, he didn't play as well as the other guys. You know, he, five carries, nine yards is not what you want to see out of your starter against Idaho. And you saw a little bit of more, uh, too much of him getting east-west, and that's fine, you know, getting the outside. But you got to, at some point, make that cut up the field and get up the field and get those yards. And we weren't seeing that from him uh, of course, I believe he also had a catch for 26 yards to sort of mitigate some of the struggles in the run game. But I'll be interested to see, you know, maybe, and I know it's just Idaho, but does that close the gap a little bit between him and the other guys? Do we see someone else start against Buffalo? And I know the start isn't that meaningful. We're, we really want to know who's getting the most touches, and that's going to be pretty evenly distributed. But maybe does Journey Brown get that look against Buffalo just, as, you know, as a reward almost for like, hey, we saw how well you played, or does Devin Ford get the first touch of the game or the first snap of the game as sort of a way to motivate these guys to keep it going? Because – because Journey mentioned to me that, you know, 
they, they all want to push each other in that room. They're trying to make each other better day by day. And he said, now that Ricky's the starter, they're all coming for him. And they want him to know that they're coming for him so he can continue to get better. And I think that's going to be really interesting to watch moving forward. Are they just going to basically give the first rep to the guy who had the best game previously? Because in a way, that could keep these guys motivated to, you know, to keep it rolling. And, and I think it could be something that's beneficial to this team, especially when you're moving the ball around like that and not everyone's getting a ton of touches – at the end of the day, someone's going to get upset. It's it's hard to keep all four guys happy throughout. Oh, the absolutely. Season. I I mean, I would still think it. Would, I, I I'll say this. I would be surprised if if Slade, Slade does not open the the next game again. I mean, by the same token, I get what you're saying about Journey Brown and having these guys be motivated, but you don't want to shatter this guy's confidence because he had five okay carries against Idaho. I mean, if if that's going to be the case, it is going to be a topsy turvy year where you know if you don't perform and, and you don't have a big game like Devin Ford, that you're going to lose playing time. I mean, we saw, um, you know, back when McGloin and Bolden were, were battling it out, you know, McGloin often talked about how much added pressure that put on that he thought whenever he would commit a mistake that he would be benched. So he started pressing. And you talked about East-West, you know, Slade doing too much East-West. If you think he's too much East-West now, if he's worried that his uh, – not that is not his livelihood, but that his playing time is going to be impacted. You're going to see him try to make more big plays. So, um, you know, Sider's a smart guy. I, you know, I, I can't see, you know, him losing any immediate playing time because the other guys might have, you know, caught more fans' eyes or, or this and that. Again, it's it's worth reminding the man had five carries. Yep. Give Ricky Slade a break. Yeah, and then Leave Ricky Slade alone. Can I get that <laughs> Britney Spears YouTube? We'll, we'll try and slap that in the middle of this one. <laughs> but, yeah, no, that's absolutely a fair point, and it, it is a bit unfair to be so critical. But, you know, you, you see three other guys perform that well, and you see the one guy who's your, your quote-unquote starter not perform well. It, it You know, not necessarily a red flag, but maybe raises some eyebrows, you know, and just makes you wonder what was happening there. And, and guys have bad days. It happens all the time. And that might be all this was for Ricky Slade. He might go out and have the game that Devin Ford had, and he'll have it against Buffalo with seven – I believe it was six carries for 107 yards. And, you know, you just never know. And that, that's the benefit of the room like this because you're looking at guys that everyone can perform on any given game. Uh, I don't think they have – I think they have the utmost faith in all four guys, and I think that shows in the way that they distributed carries. And I think that will show moving forward. What I did think was interesting is that Noah Kane got a lot of the, the uh, late game work, uh, the garbage time work, really. Uh, and, and I wonder if he is maybe not, not the, the, the last man, you know, standing sort of, you know, he's the one that's not going to get the kind of looks. But I wonder if, you know – there's just not as much of a need for a big bruising power back like he is because this offense is going to go up tempo and, you know, be trying to work the ball downfield and a lot of incorporating the running backs into the passing game. So I wonder, what do you think about the possibility, not of Kane, you know, losing playing time, but of him sort of being fourth on the totem pole among these guys? Well, I mean, he could certainly be a red zone back. Uh, I like Noah Kane a lot with the way that he was running hard at the blue-white game and, you know, that we've seen him in practices. Uh, you know, I was actually higher on Kane than, than I was, you know, Devin Ford. And again, you know, it's still early. It's hard to if, – if you are trying to predict what the rest of the season is going to look like after each back gets less than 10 carries, yep. I mean, I see you nodding here too. Our, our viewers or, or listeners can't see you nodding. But, but yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it, it's incredibly early. Um, I, I, I don't know. Right now, I, I think it's obviously – I mean, it's, it's Ricky Slade, Journey Brown, 1-2, and, and, and we've said that for a while. Uh, you know, there's no secret about that. What's – going to be interesting is midway through this season what does one two three four look like and you know that's what's interesting because I mean hell 
Slade could be number four at, at, at some point. These are two freshmen, true freshmen in Devin Ford and Noah Kane, who came in ranked as top 10 running backs in the country in high school. You know, these are, these are no slouches. I mean, Ricky Slade was the number one all-purpose back. Journey Brown is the only one that, you know, it's kind of like, oh, I, I didn't, you know, expect him completely. I believe he was a three-star guy out of Meadville. And his big claim to fame, you know, everyone knows he, I mean, he has elite straight line track speed. And I'll be the first to admit, I, I thought he was going to come in. I thought he was a great athlete playing okay football. And I think he's, he's shown that, you know, he's much more than an athlete. You know, this, this, this past season has been really impressive. Yeah, and I think I honestly, and again, caveat, it's Idaho. And like you said, we don't know at this point how this is going to turn out. But I think he was really impressive. And like you said, he showed more than just athleticism. De Devin Ford was my big surprise, though. I mean, props to you. I, hey, that was your preseason prediction that, you know, Ford's going to be the guy to watch. I mean, you know, he – out of the four, obviously, you think about that 81-yard run, which, I mean, let's be honest. You know, he showed some speed, but – that was a, I think I might have been able to rumble for 40 yards on that one. 20 or 30. Was, let's just say 15. But, no, I mean, it was, it was great blocking up front, and we saw the, the Justin Shorter block. But, no, I mean, Devin Ford's home run speed and, you know, the way that he was able to bounce to the outside. Uh, this is going to be an, an interesting offense to watch. I mean, there are a lot of weapons here. And if there's one thing we learned from Penn State's 11-touchdown effort against <laughs> Idaho – it's that, yeah, this offense should be pretty fun. Yeah, and, and I think the most interest, interesting thing to me, and you mentioned Devin Ford's touchdown run. On Dirty Brown's touchdown run, I believe it was the first one of the game, there was uh, – it looked like a design run to the right, and he didn't see anything, saw a cutback lane, put one foot in the ground, and got upfield and got – I believe it was a 23-yard touchdown. I might be wrong on that one. But it was, it was impressive to me to see that change of direction for a guy that is that fast in a straight line. You know, not – those guys aren't always, you know, uh, necessarily quick and have good acceleration just because they're usually long striders. You didn't see that with him. You saw him get a foot in the ground and get upfield quickly and get into the end zone for that touchdown. And it's one reason that I think, you know – as high as I was on Devin Ford, if there's anyone I think that, you know, could be the other guy in this situation, I'm starting to lean more toward Journey Brown as the number two in this rotation from what I've seen out of him and what we know he has in that straight line speed because you can get him to the ball in the screen game and just let him go. Let him try and get downfield. Let him create for himself because he's shown acceleration and quickness now and the, and the foot speed to make that happen in short areas. But but like you said, Devin Ford was was wildly impressive. I, I you know, as a true freshman who was the last one to get on campus among these guys, and that matters because Noah Kane was here in January. Ford got here, I believe, in either May or June. Uh, a guy who's only had a few months to learn the system and get going. Uh, you know, we saw a really impressive day out of him. And, you know, I think he's going to be really good out of the backfield as a pass catcher too, and that will add even more to his game. And that's, you know, the, there's a lot to look forward to with this running back room. And it, it might be the best – one of the best position groups on the team and probably the best position group on the offense uh, from a talent oh, well, perspective. I would definitely say – you know, on the offense. The only argument I, mean, I think you can make is wide receiver just because it's so talented and so deep. But part of that is we don't know who's going to step up. You know, you, you obviously have Hamler and, and Dotson and Shorter who seem to be the, the starters at this point. But but there's some talent behind them too. But I I, I think it's – I'm going running back. back. Yeah. yeah. No, Hands down. Yeah. I, I think you, you can waffle between receiver <laughs> and running back. No, I got this. It, it, it's running back. <laughs> the, the difference here, I think, is if Shorter gets close to that potential – You've got a top two in Hamler and Shorter that are sort of, you know, all, you know, all country guys. Like, it's true, but, you know, it was interesting. Again, I, I know it was Idaho, and I feel like we need to preface yeah. everything we say. Every, with, every statement is, it, it was, was Idaho. Idaho. But, you know, he was, you know, splitting some reps with Daniel George. And, 
you know, again, shorter, we, we did not see much of him last year, you know, because of injury, you know, he, you know, there were obviously rumors floating around this preseason about his hamstring, uh, you know, so we'll see, first of all, if he has the durability to go an entire season. I mean, his speed for a six foot four guy is, is, is downright scary. He, he's a matchup problem, uh, you know, waiting to happen. But, you know, again, it just comes down to, you know, can he put it together? And, you know, that's something that, you know, maybe we'll see as early as this weekend. But, you know, absolutely, I think before we put receiver above, you know, running back, we, we saw those running backs produce, you know. Yep. We saw Noah Kane's cutting ability and the way he's able to rumble forward for about an extra three yards after every carry. Uh, you know, not just against Idaho, but in the blue-white game and in practice. You know, we were able to see Devin Ford's speed. We were able to see all these things. You know, receiver is obviously a little bit trickier because you need someone to throw you the damn ball. Yep. Uh, you know, so, so again, you know, I'm going with running back. I understand why some people, you know, might go with receiver, but – Running back all the way, man. Yeah, and I think this receiving group is going to be really interesting because we saw a lot of different groups out there, and I think a lot of that is because, again, it was Idaho. So you can play those guys and get those groups out there. I want to see if a group of three guys emerges as the clear-cut starter throughout the year. Uh, you know, like you said, George and Shorter were rotating a lot there. It's probably going to be one of those two guys at those spots. It seems – I mean, Hamler's obviously locked in. It seems like Jahan Dotson has the other spot locked up. So it'll be interesting to see if Shorter's able to hold down that third starting spot because if he is, that's a good sign for Penn State because as talented as Daniel George is, Justin Shorter's even more talented. And so you want that talent to win out because if the talent is outproducing the less talented – your team's going to be better off in the long run, especially because he proves a true deep threat. You can just launch the ball off him and let him go get it because he's got that kind of size-speed combination. Uh, so, yeah, I think the, the receiving core is going to be really interesting to see how that plays out this year. But but I'm with you. You know, running back room is the best room, uh, you know, on offense right now. Uh, moving to the other side of the, the ball real quick. Topic. Yeah. Well, the, the defense was – I mean, there's, there's really not much to say here for this defense. It did what you, what a top five in the top five top ten defense in the country should do against an FCS level school, and that's dominate them at every level. There was nothing Idaho could do. They had 28 carries for four yards, and I I know that includes sacks, but you know when it comes down to it, I believe they had 17 carries for 49 yards for the two primary rushers. Penn State Penn State's defense took them to the woodshed, didn't give them a chance the whole game, and they they didn't have a hope or a prayer. Uh, and so you know, was there anything that stood out in particular to you other than the fact that? this really is that good of a defense? Uh, well, you know, I, I will say that I was wrong about the defense a little bit uh, heading into the game because I had written that I thought Penn State was deep and talented enough that their second-team defense could shut out Idaho and Buffalo. And I might now have to amend that to the third- or fourth-team defense could shut out Idaho or Buffalo. Uh, one, one thing James Franklin said after the game, and, and I think is entirely true, is that, I mean, the defensive line is so deep that Franklin legitimately feels like they will play six defensive ends this season and five to six defensive tackles. I mean, that is, you know, how deep this team is. And it's worth reminding just how few scholarship players Franklin had when he came in here. Uh, I, I want to say uh, when, when Bill O'Brien left, uh, as far as contributors, it was in the high 40s. Um, you know, granted, you know, when the season had started back up and you had the new recruits and all that good stuff, you know, it had, had ballooned up over there. But, you know, on the offensive line, uh, James Franklin's first blue-white game, they didn't have uh, enough offensive line players to field two units at the blue-white game. So to go from that to, uh, you know, defensive line now that 
I mean, goodness. I, I mean, they probably have some at least one third string defensive lineman who could start at, you know, a, a lower big 10 program. I mean, you know, Rutgers. that be, be specific. Rutgers. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, oh, Rutgers, uh, UMass almost had it this weekend. We're very close. They Thought were they up were 21-7 after the first quarter. I know our uh, mutual friend Tyler Donahue, you know, Rutgers alum who works for 24-7 sports, was he was sweating it out there. <laughs> um, but, yeah, you know, the, the, the defense, again, you know, reminder, Idaho. But, I mean, I, I don't care who you are. Gross Matos having two and a half sacks in the limited snaps that he had seen. Jason Owe, again, you know, flashing his speed and, and getting to the quarterback. I think in the first half alone, I want to say, the defensive line accounted for about five five or six sacks. So, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is as dominant a defense as we've seen. Uh, you know, they said that they had a lot of trust and faith in Keaton Ellis. And we had seen Keaton early in the game. I think it was it was one of the uh, the first defensive possessions. If it wasn't the first defensive possession, it was the second one where, where Keaton came on. So, you know, that just shows you how much, how highly they think of him. And now Donovan Johnson, who was suspended week one, is coming back and, and, and he'll be available for week two. So, I mean, you know, and Cam Brown, who was suspended for the first half against Idaho, is, is back to full strength. So, I mean, not only did we see a great defense, it's going to get better. Yeah, and, uh, you know, this, this is a team that is still gelling together because there are some new faces and some key spots, but you've still got those anchors. You've got Garrett Taylor in the secondary. You, you know, for the time being, at least, you have Jane Johnson, who could very well finish the season as a starter, anchoring the linebackers. Same with Cam Brown, and you've got – He is my unsung hero. Poor Jan Johnson. You know, everyone talks <laughs> about, you know, well, he's not very athletic. Well, maybe he's not, but, he, you know, he's not tapping guys 12 yards past the line of scrimmage like Chris Colasanti or Gino Capone either. I mean, I think he is – I think he might be the most underrated player on this defense um, before I would have said Robert Windsor. But then, you know, when Gil Brandt says you're a top five defensive on. tackle, yeah, yeah, you're not going to stay, you know, as an honorable mention, you know, too much longer. But, yeah. Yeah, I, I think with the, the pass rush they're able to get, it allows Jan Johnson to sort of not have to make too many athletic plays back there, and I think that's a big advantage yeah. to him. Yeah, they use him the right way, absolutely. Yeah, and, and those those pass rushers sort of make this defense go. Not that the – the you know second and third levels of defense aren't great as well because they are, but that first level that defensive line is monstrous. And you know I already started on Twitter a Yitor Yitor Grossmato sack counter this year. We're already at like you said two and a half, and I'll be interested to see how many times I have to tweet that out and see how far we can go because he is he is an absolute monster. He he flat out bullied the the Idaho offensive line. Those poor kids didn't have a chance against him, and he's. He's a he's a huge human being with incredible speed and quickness. His get off the line is incredible. He uses his hands so well to beat up guys, especially guys smaller than him, to leave them in the dust. And you know, I want to see him do this. And I mean, he's going to do this against higher level competition. I want to see what level we can take this. Or he can take this to, and how far he can go in becoming, you know, a, a sack artist here at Penn State. Yeah, yeah. Well, let me ask you, John, because I mean, you know, we're talking about Idaho and Buffalo, and and obviously th those are not sexy matchups. Right. You know. Uh, it's, it's just not fun. But with what we've seen from Penn State's defense, what we know about them, let's say they're playing Ohio State tomorrow. Who you got? Whew. Oh, yeah, I know. Uh, I'm putting you on the spot. We, we don't talk about these topics beforehand. Yeah, that's, that's a, a little side note. All of this is, is ad-libbed. And, you know, this is, these are the questions that I love to be put on the spot for. Because well, well so good, because I am putting you yeah. on the there – is, there's no pause or I'm commercial gonna, break here, John. I'm going to talk through this one. Uh, a little yeah sorry how about you take 10 seconds to gather yourself no I I think we're gonna see it's gonna come down to is Justin Fields what he was against Florida Atlantic in the first quarter 
against Penn State. If they can get pressure on him and put a ton of pressure on him, I think Penn State can win that game. The problem is Justin Fields is clearly very, very good. And, you know, he's got a ton of weapons on the outside, in the backfield. They've got a good offensive line this year, which is not something you could say about Ohio State in recent years. And they don't seem to have lost a beat with Ryan Day at the home instead of Urban Meyer. So temporarily, I'm going to say Ohio State wins that game. Although So Idaho has convinced you. <laughs> I, am, I, am, I, I am confident that, that Penn State – could win the game and that's not something oh, I could say you said could ago. oh come on yeah. that's hedging a no, little yeah, bit I, I know I'm, I'm taking, confident I'm Penn so, State I'm will so, win the game I'm taking Ohio State right now with the caveat that I think Penn State is in a I'm more I'm more believing this defense than we can go and I know it's Idaho but you just sort of wanted to see them do it and see them prove it and they did it and they proved it and they showed how good they are and you know I don't know what the offense is going to be when they get to you know Columbus on November 23rd but the defense can absolutely compete and even shut down the Ohio State offense. Yeah I mean I think every season you kind of see that defenses start off a, a little bit you know further ahead than the offense you know Penn State playing Ohio State tomorrow I think I'd like Penn State uh maybe a month or two from now that they play uh maybe not uh so well and that's Penn State's problem it takes it's uh it's yeah. two months and I believe two weeks until they play them so it'll be it'll be interesting to see if they can sustain this and you know sort of what Ohio State is at that point because they look good in the first half and then they sort of started to dwindle down as the game moved on there. hey if there's anything we learned uh from Penn State and the 2016 season it's, it's not about how you start it's about how you finish that's absolutely right and if there's one thing I know for sure it will probably be a one-point game with the you know games that we've seen in recent years between the two schools uh and I think you know like I said this is when they do play November I think it's going to be a highly competitive matchup and I think it would be a mistake to honestly count Penn State out of any game this year after, you know, what we've seen the defense is capable of. Agreed. Yeah, and, and you know. Next topic, John. Yeah, yeah, now we've got another game that doesn't really matter all that much. And that's Penn State against Buffalo this weekend. Under the lights, 730 kickoff. It's going to be interesting to see, like you said, how Sean Clifford sort of takes to that. It'll be interesting to see what the crowd is, too. It's a, it's a late game that isn't a late game opponent that you usually see in Buffalo. So, you know, what are your thoughts going into this? What do, you, what do you want to see out of Penn State against another bad opponent? What I would love to see is a running clock in the second half, John. Oh, I'd like to see it in the first half. <laughs> but, <laughs> no, with, with Penn State, I think we just kind of want to see a continuation of what we saw against Idaho. Uh, you know, I think above all, you know, what we're looking for on offense is, you know, we talked before about Sean Clifford. Obviously, this is a night game, um, but this is his second career start now. He, he can't be nervous all the time. I'm sure he's well aware of that, some things you can't control. But you know, I'll be curious to see how Sean Clifford starts off. And one thing that we haven't talked about yet that is a huge, huge issue for this offense is third downs. They were, I want to say, worse than 85th last year in third down conversion rate. I want to say number 86. Uh, maybe you can look that up while I'm doing it. Yeah, but I'll uh, just sit here silently for a second. <laughs> yeah, you know, fact check. But, but no, I mean, Penn State was one for eight against Idaho on, on third downs. And now that's not the obviously the first team offense the whole time, but you wonder, is this the continuation of last season's problems or is this just an anomaly because, you know, every other snap that Penn State had against Idaho went for an explosive play. So, you know, those are the two things on offense that I, I really, really want to watch. I mean, we know that this offensive line is better than Buffalo's young defensive line. We, we know the receivers are athletic. We know the running back room is strong. But third downs and Sean Clifford, that's what I really want to see. On defense, I'm good. I mean, we, we, you know, this is an elite defense. It, I don't think there's anything that they 
they they really need to prove this game. I mean, the thing that I'll be uh, most interested to watch is just how, you know, the second and, and third team defensive players, you know, do against Buffalo. Because at this point, the only thing we're kind of unaware of is the quality of depth Penn State has. You know, I haven't seen Damian Barber play yet. You know, he was suspended for the first week. He's back now. Antonio Shelton was talking before about how Damian Barber can just tear people in half. And, you know, that has me, you know, my interest perked. So it's going to be guys like that, you know, and, and more Keaton Ellis. He wasn't really challenged, uh, you know, too much against Idaho. I'd like to see those guys and see how they fare, um, you know, so we can get a better sense of, uh, Penn State's defense, you know, late in games later this season. Close on the third down rate, 83rd in the country. 83rd. Last year. I was close. 36.93%, I mean, as most people would call it, bad. Yeah. That's what that is. I get like a plus or minus like yeah, four spots. We'll right? give it to you on this one. But yeah, it, I mean, it, it's got to be a concern. And, you know, it's weird. We really, as much as we saw the Penn State offense out there, you know, on Saturday because they had the ball so much because the defense was that good, we still haven't seen, seen them go the length of the field they had the ball across the 50 on most of those drives and didn't have to do a whole lot to get Yeah, that, that was position. some interesting punting there by Idaho. Yeah, I mean, he hit a couple of, of decent line drives over the second baseman's head. You know, you just easy singles. You take those when you can get them in baseball, and that's what he was doing. Should have put Matt Kippenhammer back yeah. there. Well, we saw how that turned out. <laughs> Not well. But, yeah, Mac obviously with a, a tough game, you know, in, in the special teams there, and that's another thing I just too. think as he played baseball. Oh, no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I understand, but that's, a, that's an easy segue for me to get to, you know, you sort of have your second second string punt returner not doing well. And so uh, do we see a change there? Is he no longer in that duty? Because that's, I mean, no matter who you're playing, you shouldn't be fumbling the ball like that. You shouldn't be muffing those. You should, you know, know when to let them go. And, and we saw him struggle out there. So I'll be interested to see, you know, what the special teams unit looks like, assuming we get to see the second team special teams unit again, uh, which I'm sure we will this weekend. But, but yeah, it's going to be interesting to see the offense have to go the length of the field when those third downs will matter even more because that third down isn't for you know three or seven or three or for three or six, excuse me. It's it's a punt or you know keeping the drive going, and so you have to you have to be able to convert there. And the play calling wasn't always ideal, and I know that's something you are shocking. It's it's you know the the third down play calling is is baffling sometimes, and I'll be interested to see what those what looks they give against Buffalo. Who knows? Maybe they're just not putting a lot out there because and that's they too. know I, they don't have to. I I think you know I've I've gone on record pretty well in saying that I'm not a huge Ricky Ronnie supporter, but uh you know I think you got to you kind of have to give him a pass when you score 79 points against yep. an FCS team. I mean you know they weren't great at third downs. Who cares? Yeah, they could have run six plays out there, and if they ran the same six plays over and over again, Idaho wasn't. But like I said, it's just it's more about what does this mean for the future than it does, you know, oh, you know, this happened in the Idaho game. So, you know, for for Ricky Ronnie, I'm really not going to start judging him one way or the other until, you know, we get to, you know, week three when Penn State is playing opponents that it shouldn't necessarily beat by five touchdowns every time. Yeah, and, and you know, Buffalo is absolutely a step up from Idaho. How high of a step up remains to be seen. Well, it would have been, I would have loved to see this game last year. Oh, I mean, absolutely. they had five All-Mac players. You know, you had Tyree Jackson at quarterback. But they lost all of those all-conference players this offseason to either declaring early for the NFL or graduate transfers. I think, you know, one guy ended up on Iowa and Penn State will play later this season. This could have been. Uh, a pretty good matchup. Yeah, it, it um, could have been scary for Penn State. It, it really could have. Uh, no, not anymore. Uh, enjoy the win Saturday. You know, your your $60 parking and your, you know, however much a ticket is. like Your 12-hour yeah. tailgating. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and, you know, it's 
like you said, it's it's this is a game that they absolutely have to win, and like there's no like they could play the second and third string guys, and they should still come out with a win pretty easily here. Of course, that's not going to happen. Of course, we'll see Cliff. It'll be interesting to see too. And I mentioned this in our takeaways from the game: how long the starters play in this one because it was basically the first yeah. half in a in a in a drive. Do they see a little bit more time? Because yes. it's not. Yes, they do. Yeah, that would be my guess as well. But you never know if it's if we're looking at fifty-six to three. You know, midway through the third quarter, are they coming out again. I, I get, I, I get what you're saying, but I think Idaho was just was just a little bit different. I mean, you've they watched so overmatched. You, you've watched a lot of Penn State football. I thought the blue white game, you know, where they have like the starters versus the you know the the backups, was much more competitive. I mean, this was the most lopsided Penn State football game I think I think I have ever seen. Uh, I was born in 1985, so I did not catch the 1991 Cincinnati game, or I do not remember <laughs> it. But, I mean, since then, I can't, I can't think of a more dominating game. And, obviously, since 1991, no other game has Penn State scored more points. So, I think it's one of those, at that point, what do you have to gain? What do you have to show? You're, you know – I mean, you may as well scrimmage the State College Area High School at that point. I mean, I'd say no disrespect to Idaho, but, I mean, goodness gracious, Idaho was an FBS team two years ago. It was 4-7 and seven last year. That is incredibly bad. I don't know what happened to that program, but, I mean, they, they went from, you know, okay to really bad really fast. Yeah, it's, it's almost impressive. Yeah, and, and – like you said, going four and seven the year you dropped down from FBS. Oh, FCS that is, is un- unhorrified. I don't, I don't know how it happens. I really don't. Like, I, I understand the roster size probably gets cut down, but you're probably got, not getting rid of your best players. I, I don't think we're going to see Idaho on the schedule again anytime soon. Yeah, I don't think we're going to see. FCS. We might, we might not see Idaho as a football program for much longer if this keeps up. Well, I mean, that's what people said. Ten, well, uh, a number of years ago, that it wasn't going to last much longer in the FBS, but. I mean, hey, when when you you're from a town called Moscow, you know you you take what you can get, I guess. Yeah. Or the Kibbe Dome, is it? Is it? Yeah, I believe that's right. Still got their potatoes though. At the end of the day, that's all that matters. But yeah, this was there was like we said, there's not a ton you can take away. Try to spin it forward here a bit, looking, you know what I mean, what this could mean moving forward. And I think we did a pretty good job of that. And, you know, like you said with Buffalo, it's going to be more of the same of that. You know, maybe I, I'm sort of watching to see how their the redshirt freshman quarterback does against the pass defense. Probably not well. He only threw 10 passes in his first career start against Robert Morris last week. Uh, he was 5 of 10. He had two touchdowns. I think it was like 67 or 69 yards, something like that. Just not not what you want to see out of a guy who's going to have to throw the ball quite a bit against Penn State to have to try and keep pace. Uh, and, yeah, I, there's no reason to expect anything other than another blowout, another chance to see a lot of guys get a lot of playing time, another chance to take advantage of the new redshirt rule where these guys can get four games of playing time and still maintain their redshirt. And, you know uh, – I assume that's what we'll see Saturday. And then, of course, we'll move on to week three in a Power 5 opponent. Although, you know, a lot of Penn State fans like to joke that it's not a real Power 5 opponent in Pitt, but it is one, and it's a team that should actually be able to put some of the bodies out there to compete a little bit with them. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying Pitt's even going to be close in that one, but it's it's real competition for probably the first time this season. It's a, you know, uh, this might be controversial to say, but it's a good – rivalry game this is a rivalry. it drives me nuts when when anybody tries to say this isn't a rivalry James Franklin included uh because it, it is you know if you talk to anyone who played in this game in the 90s or 80s you know uh this you know this means a lot to you know, certainly Pitt fans and you know you you tell me a Penn State fan that doesn't care if they lose to Pitt and I'll show you a dirty rotten liar 
Yeah. You know, this is, this is for bragging rights for who knows the next time these teams are going to play. And, you know, if there was one game you wanted to win in the series, this would be the one. So I'm already looking forward to that game. Let, let's get, let's get Buffalo out of the way here. And, uh, you know, so we can watch some, some football where, you know, we're not talking about whether Penn State will be up by eight touchdowns at halftime. Yeah, anytime you have to talk about what time the, uh, is left in the game when the backups come in, you know what that, how <laughs> yeah. that game's going to go pretty quickly. Looking at you next, Rutgers. <laughs> <laughs> we still got a little ways to that one. But, yeah, yeah, yeah no, that's at the end of the year. We might – yeah. We it's, might it's, it's a nice little uh, pregame to the, uh, to the bowl game. Get a little, little preseason game late in the year, basically. Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, you know, Purdue, too, I mean, they, they lose to Nevada. I, I uh, expected – I expected uh, – a much better from from Purdue, you know, this season. I still think that could be a trap game for Penn State, but obviously, when you lose to the Wolfpack, you know, you you need to show a little bit something before you're labeled a trap game after that. So we'll see how they rebound. Yeah, and I mean, we saw them last year, like not play well most of the time, and then destroy Ohio State. So who yeah, knows? I mean, they they are definitely a wild card. I yeah. mean, so yeah, that that's going to be an ex- that's going to be an interesting game to 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 cover and try to predict because. The, I mean, that's one thing about Jeff Brom. You just never know how his offense is going to operate from, from, from one game to the next. It's usually a lot of fun to watch. I'll give him that. It's a you know, high-paced, uh, you know, push the ball down the field kind of offense. He's got some weapons. But before we get too far ahead of ourselves, you know, we'll wrap this week up. I, you know, I think we did a good job of painting this picture of, yeah, sure, this is what we expected. Uh, but also, you know, looking forward to how we can spin it ahead, like I said, and you know, uh, like I said, come Saturday, we'll, we'll have another game that's probably going to look pretty similar and have to move on again, have another of these episodes, and then we'll get to preview pit. And I know you were looking forward to that. I'm looking forward to that. It should be a real fun game for the first time this year and something that we haven't had yet. Yeah, I, I'm looking forward to the rivalry game, John. Yeah, absolutely. The rivalry game, to be clear. But that'll do it for this episode of Airing It Out. Uh, be sure to rate, subscribe, and review Airing It Out on your preferred po- podcast app. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, wherever you think you can find a podcast, you can probably find us. Uh, For Josh Moyer, I'm John Sauber. Thanks for listening and have a great day.